1: go episode 469 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. Jeez, we are three days away from Christmas. Where has the year gone? Uh, do you know that I have not purchased a single Christmas gift yet? Is that bad? Should I not be admitting that? Uh, Well, my wife handles the buying of Christmas gifts. The only gift that I have to buy each year is a gift for her. Uh, I guess that I should probably get on that, huh? Uh, She did get me some good gifts for my birthday last week. A Commander's T-shirt and a Commander's sweatshirt. So I got to get her something good. Maybe I'll make her an MP3 of the best of the Al Galdi podcast for 2022. I think that she would appreciate that. Or at least she should. Appreciate that. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We on Wednesday night have the Pro Bowl announcements for this season. A number of Commanders players have been honored. I'm going to get into that next segment. Uh, meantime, the Commanders next game is just two days away. 7-6-1 uh, and one Commanders at the 10-4 and four, and NFC West champion San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon, Christmas Eve afternoon at 405 uh, the commanders of course are fighting for their playoff lives at this point although remember they as we speak do have the number seven seed in the NFC and thus the conference's third and final wild card spot uh, but with the game on a Saturday as opposed to a Sunday the commander's schedule this week is has been a day ahead. In other words, Tuesday got treated like a Wednesday in a normal regular season week. Uh, Wednesday got treated like a Thursday in a normal regular Regular season week. And so we on Wednesday got what we normally get on a Thursday during this regular season post practice press conferences from Commanders Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner and Defensive Coordinator Jack Del Rio. And so I, over the course of the show, I'm going to take you through and discuss the best of what each guy had to say, in addition to providing the latest on injuries for the Commanders. Uh, coming up, I'm talking Commanders Offense, including a Maya Kofa from Scott Turner. Uh, regarding not getting running back Brian Robinson Jr. more than 12 carries in the 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx field this past Sunday night, and I know what a lot of you are thinking, too little, too late, Scotty boy, Uh, but Scott did admit that he should have gotten Robinson more carries. So you'll hear Scott on that, uh, on the commander's red zone problems, on quarterback Taylor Heineke taking more sacks lately, on whether Carson Wentz is ready, should Taylor be benched in favor of Carson at quarterback, and more. Uh, and then I'll talk Commander's defense, specifically what it will be facing in this 49ers offense. Uh, Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon said some good stuff about the Niners' key offensive players, you know that their head coach, former Redskins offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan, wants to destroy and dismantle the commanders. Kyle still is not happy about what went down with his pops, Mike Shanahan, in his departure as Skins executive vice president and head coach after the team's 2013 season. Of course, also on the Niners is left tackle Trent Williams, who left the Skins in an ugly way by a trade on NFL Draft Weekend 2020. Boy, Things don't seem to end well for people with our team, now do they? Uh, Additionally, I have for you some good comments from edge defender Chase Young on his situation. Uh, Also on the show, we late night on Wednesday night had a trade by the Orioles. I'll discuss that as well as a disappointing loss. Virginia Tech basketball on Wednesday night the number 21 Hokies lost at Boston College 70 65 in overtime you can tweet me at Al Galdi. you can email me the algaldi podcast at yahoo.com email from Jeff Marshall on the crowd at FedEx field for the commander's loss to the Giants this past Sunday night writes Jeff big supporter and loyal listener of your pod thank you Jeff continues Jeff I'm a lifelong Washington football fan and made the trip from North Carolina to the Giants game with my son Jordan and 11-year-old grandson Jude. It was his first game and my first game in 10 years. I'm actually writing this from the stadium during a fourth quarter timeout. I've surely seen on TV and heard many such as yourself talk about the number of visiting team fans who come to our games at FedEx Field. However, what I was not prepared for were the incredibly large number of Giants fans at this game and the way that so many of them conducted themselves. It truly changes the atmosphere and one's fan experience. It was unlike anything that I had ever experienced at any team's home stadium. Parentheses. I'm now finishing this email Monday morning as the end of the game left me without words. End of parentheses. Over several decades, I also have gone to a number of Washington's games in other cities. Uh, Also, here at home, I've sat near many fans of other teams at RFK Stadium and FedEx Field. It seems there used to be an unwritten rule of politeness that when visiting another team's home stadium, you conduct yourself as a guest. Of course, it is expected that one would cheer for his or her team, but to assume the house is yours and begin chants, there were many, not just the one that you heard, Al, badgering home team fans, using vulgar language around children and generally trying to assume a position of ownership was, well, not what I'd paid for. With the D.C. area being such a melting pot and being in such close proximity to New York and Philadelphia, and with ticket resales being so easy these days, one can see how this is happening in Washington. I'm not sure of the solution, but it sure dampens my enthusiasm for attending more home games. If I go again, perhaps I'll choose to see our commanders play a team that has fans that would not travel as well and would be more considerate. Keep up the great work. Uh, Well, thank you for that very thoughtful email, Jeff, especially beginning the writing of that email while at the game on Sunday night. Uh, That, my friends, is dedication to the pod. Uh, I'm not sure if this was the first major instance of an opposing team's fans overtaking FedEx Field, but this was when I first really started to notice uh, this phenomenon. November 3rd, 2008. A 23-6 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football. The Redskins went into that game six and two in the 2008 regular season. They were going into their bye week and they got embarrassed at home uh, by yes, the eventual Super Bowl champion Steelers, uh, but on national television. And Steelers fans overtook FedEx Field in a manner that was impossible to ignore. The game felt like a game at Pittsburgh, not a game that was supposedly a home game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, at the time, we weren't quite sure how to take this because Steelers fans are notorious for being everywhere. But of course, we since have seen FedEx Field be overtaken by fans of opposing teams time and time again. This now has been going on for a decade and a half, perhaps even longer. Now, my sense of this past Sunday night was that it wasn't necessarily a takeover by Giants fans. But yeah, there were a lot of them there. And the reasons for the takeovers are well known. And this really is a lethal concoction when you think about it. Washington has not been very good over the last 30 years. Uh, People despise the owner of the team and owner of the stadium, remember, Dan Snyder. Uh, the stadium is maybe the single worst and single most hated major sports stadium arena in this country. And, and this is an important one. The team makes tickets available on secondary ticket markets, uh, does so as a cash grab. And look, you're allowed to make money, OK? But tickets for games at FedEx Field are very easy for fans of opposing teams to buy. And so all of these things in concert have made for the situation that we currently have. And until one or more of these things change, this phenomenon of FedEx Field routinely featuring a number of opposing team fans, if not routinely being overtaken by opposing teams fans, is going to continue. Email from Robert Krakower. On the commander's quarterback situation, writes Robert, have to weigh in on the commies quarterback situation. I think they think they have everything that they need already on the roster. They have the future quarterback in Sam Howell and the bridge guy in Taylor Heineke. Heineke can hold down the fort for next season while Howell gets ready and then it's his time. I think the commanders are smart for having enough vision to get out of the the must-draft-a-quarterback-in-the-first-round-or-bust mentality. Teams that think that way are losers. If there is a competent front office in place, the front office should be able to do its job well enough to find a quarterback in the later rounds. That's what the commies did, and I'm proud of that. Not only did they get Howell in the middle of the draft, but they got Heineke off his sister's couch. I think that this team knows what it's doing. I'm tired of everyone doubting Ron Rivera. Uh, Thank you for the email, Robert. I'm sure Ron appreciates that email. You know, it would be outstanding if what Robert wrote is true, that the commanders have everything that they need at quarterback already on the roster. Okay, how great would that be? The problem, of course, is that there's no way of knowing if that's true uh, without knowing what the commanders have and Sam Howell. And even if Sam does end up playing some this season, the commanders still won't know what they truly have in him because the sample size will be small. And so come the 2023 NFL draft, what is supposed to be a quarterback rich draft, if the commanders as a franchise quarterback needy team really like one or more of the quarterbacks who the team realistically can take or trade up to take, then the commanders have to go get one of those quarterbacks. Uh, Now, maybe the commanders end up trading for a veteran quarterback or end up signing a veteran quarterback of consequence in free agency. But the point is that there would need to be reasonable certainty with Sam Howell in order for the commanders to be justified in not going hard after a quarterback this offseason. And reasonable certainty with Sam almost certainly will not be attained this season. Well, certainty is not something that we have with our economy right now, but that actually has made for a Washington, D.C. area real estate market that features great opportunity for buyers. Uh, Housing prices are falling due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates. And so now actually is a good time to buy a home, even with the increases in mortgage rates. Remember, you could always refinance when the rates come down, and they will. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if you want to take advantage of the current market contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the current market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. His website says it all, closeitwithkel.com. Kellen Hunt is a closer. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer get a piece of the action. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington DC area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington DC area, the name to know is Kellen Hunt. Take advantage of the current marketplace with Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkel.com. That's closeitwithkel, dot lcom Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. In the spirit of the holiday season, uh, please consider rating and reviewing the Al Galdi podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review uh, saying that you like the podcast. The ratings and the reviews help us out a lot, and so thank you for doing them. We on Wednesday night had the announcements of Pro Bowl selections for this NFL season. uh, It remains ridiculous to me that Pro Bowl selections are announced with weeks left in the regular season. I mean, think about this. We still have three weeks left in the 2022 regular season. The most important games of the season are still to be played. Playoff spots will be decided over the next three weeks, and yet we are now determining who the best players of the 2022 regular season have been. This is absurd. Uh, But anyway, Pro Bowl selections, uh, they are determined by votes from fans, players, and coaches. The truth is that making a Pro Bowl doesn't mean what it used to mean, doesn't mean what it should mean, but this still is a nice honor. And the Commanders have six players who have received Pro Bowl honors in some form, for This season uh, included in that mix three Pro Bowl starters uh, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, a Pro Bowl starter uh, punter Tressway, a Pro Bowl starter and safety Jeremy Reeves was named the primary special teams player. Uh, Receiver Terry McLaurin was named a Pro Bowl reserve. Interior defensive lineman Daron Payne was named a Pro Bowl first alternate. Edge defender Montez Sweat was named a Pro Bowl second alternate. Six commanders players have received Pro Bowl honors for this season in some form. Uh, All of the players are deserving, and I would argue that at least two more commanders players, uh, safeties Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest, are having Pro Bowl caliber seasons. And this to me is the biggest takeaway. The number of Commanders players who are legitimately having Pro Bowl caliber seasons. It has been a while since Washington has had this many players having Pro Bowl caliber seasons. Uh, Washington is sending its most total players to a Pro Bowl since the 2016 season, uh, with John Allen and Tressway being named NFC starters and Jeremy Reeves being named as the primary special teams player. This marks the most starters selected to a Pro Bowl for Washington since the 2002 season when the Washington Redskins sent three starters to the Pro Bowl. I mean, it has been 20 years since we have had this. Uh, Again, the Pro Bowl does not mean what it used to mean. But again, making a Pro Bowl still is a nice honor. And I do take the commanders having all of these guys receiving Pro Bowl honors as a sign that, yeah, the roster is improving. And yeah, the roster is better than the roster had been in recent seasons. Uh, The Jeremy Reeves selection is really cool. The commanders on Wednesday night put out a video of head coach Ron Rivera telling players that they had made the Pro Bowl. Uh, Terry McLaurin reacted happily. Tress Way reacted happily. Uh, Jeremy Reeves reacted happily, but Reeves started crying. I mean, you could tell how much this means to him. Jeremy Reeves came into the NFL as an undrafted free agent at a South Alabama with the Philadelphia Eagles in April 2018. The Redskins signed him to their practice squad in September 2018, promoted him to the active roster in December 2018. Uh, But Reeves was waived by Washington and it's cut down to 53 for each of the next two seasons, 2019 and 2020, but was signed back to the practice squad to begin each season. Uh, Reeves ended up being a hero for Washington in its NFC East winning 2020 season. Uh, Washington on October 27th, 2020 promoted Reeves from the practice squad to the active roster as a corresponding roster moved to placing safety Landon Collins on the reserve injured list due to a ruptured Achilles tendon. And Reeves ended up being very good for Washington down the stretch in that 2020 season. But Washington on August 31st, 2021 released Reeves in the cut down to 53. Uh, The team the next day did sign him to the practice squad. He in the 2021 regular season, though, played in just five of Washington's 17 games uh, as Washington, even with all of its problems in the secondary last season, like refused to go to Reeves for the longest time. But this year, Reeves finally survived a cut down to 53. Uh, He made the commander's initial 53-man roster, and he has been outstanding on special teams. Jeremy Reeves, for the 2022 regular season, has an NFL best 16 special teams tackles. His Pro Bowl selection marks the first time that Washington has sent a non-specialist to a Pro Bowl for special teams since Lorenzo Alexander in the 2012 season. Uh, And also there's this, Jeremy Reeves' mom passed away last year. So there's that as well. Uh, Congrats to Jeremy Reeves. Awesome story. If you have followed the NFL for any substantial length of time, you know to expect the unexpected. And so maybe our 7-6-1 commanders in their game at the 10-4 and 4 and NFC West champion San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon at 4 5 end up doing very well offensively. But... There's little to suggest that that's going to happen. Uh, First of all, you have the issue of rest. Uh, The Commanders are coming off a short week as their last game was this past Sunday night, the 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field. So the Commanders are having six days between games as opposed to the usual seven days between games. Conversely, you have the 49ers coming off extra rest as their last game was a 21-13 win at the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday Night Football on December 15th. Also, you have the Commanders with a bad offense and the 49ers with an elite defense. Uh, If you go by the Football Outsiders DVOA rankings for this 2022 regular season, the Commanders are number 26 out of 32 NFL teams in total offense, while the Niners are number one in the NFL in total defense, so yeah, the scheme sets up to be a rather tough one. For the Commanders offensively. The good news is that the Commanders offense is pretty healthy considering that this is week 16 of an 18-week NFL regular season. The Commanders on Wednesday held their first full practice of the week off on Tuesday, having conducted a walkthrough. Uh four of the seven players on the Commanders' injury report for Wednesday were offensive players. Offensive lineman Sadiq Charles did not practice on Wednesday due to a concussion, uh, but he was the only Commander's player on the injury report to be listed. As not having practiced Uh, left guard, Andrew Norwell for Wednesday was listed as a limited participant in practice due to a shoulder problem. Running back Antonio Gibson for Wednesday was listed as a limited participant in practice due to his foot issue and running back Brian Robinson Jr. for Wednesday was listed as a full participant in practice due to his quadriceps ailment. Uh, Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner did a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. This was Scott on the 49ers defense.
2: Yeah, it's not even just the front. I mean, obviously the front's really good, but they're a really good defense. They've been playing together for a long time. Um, they're very well coached. Coach, uh, you know, Coach Ryan does a great job with those guys. Um, they play hard. You know, they all fly to the ball. Um, it's an impressive group. And we gotta, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, we gotta forget about this last one, and we gotta get ready to go get on this plane and uh, go play against a really good defense because they, they ain't gonna feel sorry for us. You know, so they're gonna be coming after us. Um, you know, yeah, we gotta we gotta be physical. We gotta run the ball. Um, you know we'll be able to take our shots. Uh, you know when when we get them when they when they come up, uh, ball's got to come out of our hand. Uh, we got to do a great job getting vertical when we get the ball, and, and every single yard is going to be at a premium because they don't give up a lot of them. You know they give up the fewest in the league. So, um, you know it's a it's a it's a challenge, and our guys will be up for it. And uh, I know they'll bounce back from this last game, and be ready to go.
1: Yeah, the Niners for the 2022 regular season are number two in the NFL in fewest yards allowed per play. This is a really good defense that the Commanders will be facing on Saturday. But probably no topic for the Scott Turner post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon was more anticipated than the topic of his play calling in the loss to the Giants this past Sunday night. Specifically, Brian Robinson Jr. for the game, averaging 7.42 yards per carry, and yet totaling just 12 carries, including a mere Four carries in the second half. Now, as I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 467, it's not so much that Scott should have called fewer passing plays and more running plays as it is that Scott should have called more running plays for Robinson and fewer running plays for receiver Curtis Samuel, who in the game had five carries for one yard. And by that, I don't mean five one-yard carries. I mean his five carries totaled one yard. Uh, There very much is a hindsight aspect to questioning play calling uh, because if some of those Curtis Samuel runs had worked, the complaining about Brian Robinson Jr.'s lack of carries would not be nearly as loud. But the Curtis carries did not work and the Commanders scored just 12 points and lost the game. And so Scott this week has gotten walked around like a pinata. Uh, this was Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon on In the loss to the Giants, only getting Brian Robinson Jr. 12 carries. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commanders insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post.
2: Yeah, he was he was doing really well. I mean, you know, 12 carries, you look at it and, you, you know, you say, man, we, we really should have given him the ball more than that. Um, you know, we've been on the field a lot uh, and we've had a lot more plays. You know, we had 58 plays, I think. Um, some of the situations in the game um, at the end there, especially we're kind of in a two-minute type mode, you know, so when you look at it and you come out of there 26 pass, 26 runs, 29 passes. You know that's pretty balanced. Um, you know some of those. You know g- because of Brian and how he was running. You know looking back at it, yeah, you you sh- you would have liked him to touch it touch it more.
3: When you look back and and think something like that, how do you make sure that you know you you do you make that adjustment in the future? Is that something you just keep top of mind? Or yeah, I mean, you...
2: he had a lot of his in the first half, obviously. Um, came out in the, th- the the third quarter. We, we came out five passes and the reverse to Diami and scored. You know what I mean? Um, you know, went down the field, you know, had the three and out the next drive where we had a shot on the flea flicker, um, almost hit it, you know, and then uh, – you know he had a couple carries after that. You know it's just those drive we had, the, and then we had kind of big plays, big play drives that stalled. So our drives weren't the drives we've kind of had in the past that have been those twelve, you know, fifteen play drives. We were more that six to eight, you know, play, and those are big chunk plays. Then all of a sudden, you know, you go and get to third down and you don't convert, um, and you're off the field. So when you have longer drives, obviously there's more opportunities to uh, to hand it off. But you know, again, I got to be aware of that and 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 get him get him some carries.
1: So, Scott Turner on in the loss to the Giants, only getting Brian Robinson Jr. 12 carries, quote, we really should have given him the ball more than that, end quote. Uh, Scott went on to provide some context for why what happened happened, but he made it clear that he should have gotten Robinson more carries. So, respect to Scott for manning up and admitting that. Uh, The Commanders on Sunday night really had a strange offensive game they ran the ball really well, and not just with Robinson. Uh, The commanders on Sunday night on design runs had 24 carries for 135 yards, 5.63 yards per carry. Also, quarterback Taylor Heineke on Sunday night had a yards per pass attempt of 8.59 and a yards per completion of 14.65. Those are excellent numbers, and yet the commander scored just the 12 points. Why? Well, A, just one of three in the red zone, B, just one of 10 on third downs, and C, Taylor was the victim of two sack strips that resulted in lost fumbles, including the killer early second quarter sack strip one-yard fumble return for a touchdown by edge defender Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, the Commanders for the 2022 regular season are tied with the Carolina Panthers for just 23rd in the NFL in red zone efficiency, 51.35%. The Commanders are just 19 of 37 in the red zone. The Commanders over 37 red zone possessions have totaled just 19 touchdowns. Here's something that's particularly maddening. Brian Robinson Jr. over his last three games has just one official Red zone carry, uh, despite over those three games having 51 carries for 290 yards, 5.69 yards per carry. Now, Robinson on Sunday night. Did have a late fourth quarter red zone touchdown run nullified by the wonderful penalty on receiver Terry McLaurin. 103 left in the fourth quarter, third and goal at the one. Terry got called for that five yard illegal formation penalty that negated a touchdown run by Robinson. But, you know, Brian Robinson Jr. has been on Fire lately. He's one of the hottest running backs in the NFL. How is it that he, over his last three games, has just one official red zone carry? Red zone carries for running backs work. The red zone actually is one of the best spots in which to give your running backs carries. Uh, this was Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon, on Brian Robinson Jr. on Sunday night having zero official red zone carries. And over his last three games, having just one official red zone carry.
2: No, nah, I mean it was just play calling. I mean we, you know, we gave the ball to Curtis. You know, uh, felt good about it. You know, got a yard on it. Second and nine, we throw the ball. Um, that was that other drive. I'm trying to think through uh, the rest of the plays. The other time around the red zone, we threw a touchdown pass from the 19, which was the first our first, you know, in there. I mean, you know, that's just kind of how um, the plays came come up. That's on me to just have him more in the forefront of my m- mind of, you know, because of how physical and dominant runner he is. Where you know we get down in there, you know, give him a chance.
1: Yeah, give him a chance. All we are saying is give Brian Robinson Jr. a chance. Uh, here was some more from Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon on the Commander's red zone struggles on Sunday night.
2: You know, that red zone, we were one for three, but there was two drives where we're right outside of the red zone and the drive, you know, the drive stopped. Uh, one time, you know, obviously we weren't able to kick a field goal the other time we did. Um you know, and and so when you move the ball um, the way that we did and you feel like you have successful plays, you know, it's just frustrating when you don't score, you know, and that's, you know, that's really what it came down to. Um, you know, there's always plays here and there, you know, you'd like to change, um, you know, that's going to happen. It's part of football, uh, but. You know, the the thing it really it really comes down to with us is just, you know, managing, you know, those situations. I mean, you you can't go one for 11 on third down and expect to uh, score a lot of points.
1: Yeah, the commanders on Sunday night actually went one for 10 on third downs, but it felt like one for 11. Heck, it felt like one for 100. Uh, What about tight end Logan Thomas? On Wednesday's show, episode 468, talked with Commander's Insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington about a number of topics, including the Commander's glaring lack of production at tight end this season. Logan Thomas, in this 2022 regular season, has played in 11 games, but he has just 25 receptions, including just one touchdown. Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon on Logan Thomas having not been much of a red zone factor this season.
2: You know, some things, a lot of it, you know, when, when you get into the some of the play-action pass stuff, you know, the tight ends are in um, and the protection. You know, we've been doing some of that Um you know, it's just kind of some, do some stuff where, you know, potentially maybe we're, we're helping on, on some, we played some pretty good pass rushers um, where the tight ends are helping with the line. And, and then there's a couple plays where, you know, we've had them, um, uh, maybe the ball just hasn't necessarily necessarily gone his way. Um, just kind of the, the flow of the game has been with them.
1: Yeah, you know, Logan Thomas on Sunday night had one reception for six yards on three targets, had a drop and committed a penalty in playing on 63% of the commander's offensive snaps of the commander's sixth offensive drive was their first offensive drive of the second half was that great six play 91 yard drive that resulted in taylor heineke's third quarter first and 10 19 yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to receiver Jahan dodson but the fourth snap of the drive logan thomas a first and 10 five yard illegal motion penalty of the commander's eighth offensive drive resulted in kicker joey Sly's fourth quarter 51 yard field goal Fourth snap of the drive, Logan Thomas, uh, what to me was a drop on a Taylor Heineke first and 10 shotgun play action incompletion. Speaking of Taylor, uh, it sure seems as if his job as the commander starting quarterback is on the line in this game at the 49ers. Uh, One of the reasons to go with Taylor Heineke over Carson Wentz as the commander's starting quarterback, has been Taylor's mobility. And yes, his mobility was a factor on Sunday night. Three carries for 33 yards was nice to see that. But Taylor lately has been taking sacks at a, shall we say, Carson Wentz-like pace. Uh, Taylor overall this season has been a lot better at avoiding sacks than Carson has been. But this was Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon on Taylor over the commander's last two games, having taken eight sacks, including those 2 sack strip lost fumbles. This past Sunday night,
2: yeah, a couple of them. Now it was actually good to see Taylor get a couple, um, get some some runs, a couple of more design runs, and then he had the one scramble. Um, so that was good just to see him move that that. And a couple was just we got he got caught holding the ball. He tried to escape, and uh, um, you know they they corralled him a couple times. There you know there was ones where he didn't have much of a chance. You know he's trying to get the ball out, and um, they got to us, but. No, uh, it's just him you know, kind of going through the progression and it's, it's not coming out. The, that, that was more so the first game. Um, this one, you know, he's trying to make a play.
1: Notable that Scott Turner in that cut said that Taylor Heineke in the first game against the Giants this season, the tie at the Giants in week 13, was guilty of holding on to balls for too long. Uh, that echoes what head coach Ron Rivera has suggested, if not outright said. Uh, lately, that a good chunk of the commander's pass protection issues have been on Taylor. And that's the thing. If maybe the single biggest advantage that Taylor has over Carson Wentz, mobility slash ability to avoid sacks now is no longer such an advantage. Well, maybe it is time for Commander Carson to be reinstalled as the Commander's QB1. Now, Carson has not played in a game in a while, right? Has not played in a game since suffering the fractured right ring finger in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football on October 13th. He ended up being on the reserve injured list from October 22nd to December 12th. Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon on if, in fact, Carson Wentz is ready to play.
2: You know, Carson's a pro. He's played a lot. Um, It's just as long as... Whenever he was physically ready, I think, you know, he's ready to go if we, if we need him. So, you know, we have confidence in Carson if, if we need to play him that he's going to be able to step in and go. Um, you know, Finger looks good as far as that goes. He, the, he's throwing the ball um, just like he was at the beginning of the season.
1: You know what's funny? Taylor Heineke in this 2022 regular season has played in eight games as compared to six for Carson Wentz. And yet Carson has just four fewer completions and just nine Fewer pass attempts than Taylor has. Uh, The commanders really have taken on a more run heavy approach with Taylor at quarterback, and we've known that for a while, but the numbers back that up. One more for you from Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon. He did get asked about that Terry McLaurin illegal formation penalty on Sunday night. Uh, Terry, after the game, of course, said that he seconds before the snap that resulted in the penalty, asked the line judge, Carl Johnson, if Terry was lined up properly. Johnson instructed Terry what to do in order to be lined up properly, and so Terry did as he was told, and then Johnson threw the flag anyway, and the video seems to back up Terry's depiction of what went down. This still makes such little sense, especially considering that this, you know, letter of the law officiating was not applied when two snaps later, receiver Curtis Samuel got maimed by corner Darnay Holmes in the end zone on the commander's final offensive snap of the game, but no pass interference penalty was called. Uh, Here was Scott Turner on Wednesday afternoon on the oh-so-crucial penalty on Terry McLaurin on Sunday night.
2: It is ultimately, you know, the player's job to, to line up there's no like rule that says the official has to help the player line up you know if you watch games i've been around this league for a long time they do you know uh i don't know if i'm saying anything i should or shouldn't be saying i'm just telling telling the truth terry felt like he had the understanding that he was on i guess that's not what the official said i i don't know ultimately they threw the flag my message to our guys, and there was, it's not just the Terry, and it's not just about penalties, was we have to control what we can control. And there's nothing that we can do about what any of those extra clicker things. If you, if you get caught up in that, all it does is take away from your focus of doing the best job you possibly can to go win. So I don't know. I mean, that's the best answer I can give you for that. Um, it was unfortunate, but it's, it's over with. And we just got to make sure we don't give them any reason to call, you know, any flag. We got to be clean. We got to play a clean game. Um, And that's ultimately, you got to put the responsibility on your shoulders. And that's, that's what we have to do moving forward.
1: Very true. You know, the commanders on Sunday night had six accepted penalties. All six were offensive penalties. Now, they weren't all justified, but all six were offensive penalties. Up next, I'm talking Commander's defense. How will it do on Saturday afternoon against the offense of 49ers head coach and, of course, former Redskins offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: Let's talk Commanders defense as we get set for the game at the San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon at 4.05. Every Commanders defensive player on the team's 53-man active roster practiced to at least some extent on Wednesday, including corner Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, He for Wednesday was listed as a limited participant in practice. Uh, He has been inactive for each of the commander's last three games due to a right ankle injury that he suffered in the win at the Houston Texans in week 11. Uh, He on Tuesday evening did tell reporters that he will play on Saturday. So it is feeling like the juice will be back For this game. Uh, That's really good news. Uh, Safety Cameron Curl for Wednesday was listed as a limited participant in practice. Uh, He's dealing with an ankle issue. And edge defender Chase Young for Wednesday was listed as a limited participant in practice as we continue to await him making his 2022 season debut off suffering a torn right knee in a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Uh, Chase on Wednesday afternoon. Spoke with reporters. I want to play this for you uh, because I have to tell you, I kind of felt sorry for Chase while watching this. And, you know, when I say I kind of felt sorry for Chase, like, you know, he's going to be fine no matter what happens here, Okay, He'll be just fine financially no matter what happens. But his situation does not seem good. This guy's right knee clearly got devastated on November 14th, 2021, Uh, What now is believed to be the case is that Chase suffered a torn right ACL, a torn right MCL, and a ruptured right patellar tendon. That is a brutal trifecta. And who knows, he may have even suffered more than those three things. Uh, But this was Chase on Wednesday afternoon with reporters.
3: Anything you can share, a weekly update, how things
4: are feeling? Feeling good. Uh... Good practice today. Um so just still taking it day by day.
0: Is there any is there anything that held you back from playing last week that you can put a finger on or share? Uh no, nah, not really.
4: Just just being patient. You gotta be patient, that's all.
3: When you look back to even a few weeks, can you notice a mark difference in just confidence, strength, that type of thing? Yeah, I
4: mean definitely that's gonna come. Um, it should happen just like it been. Just like it's came out, this whole process. Um, I mean, every day I feel like I'm getting better. Every day I feel like I'm getting stronger and more comfortable. So just got to keep going and continue that.
3: Is it frustrating at all to be on the sidelines during this stretch?
4: Definitely. Definitely. I want to play with my brothers. go out there and fight, you know, to the end. But uh, I'm good, so it's coming.
0: Do you feel different this week?
4: What do you mean by different?
0: Do you feel more ready to play? Do you feel closer to playing?
4: Definitely, definitely. But, you know, we got a good plan, um, so I'm just sticking to that.
0: What was Ross, that discussion know. like? A, I mean, it's a monster game, the Giants Sunday Night Football, but I, I know you won't play in this league for another ten years and you're balancing those things. Yeah,
4: yeah, man. I, you know, well, I'm going to be at my feet at. <laughs> I've you heard know. that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and That's where I'm at. I... It's going to come.
2: Ron has said that he wants to see you be able to cut loose and kind of just go. Is that something you feel like you've been able to accomplish this week? Or uh, Yeah,
4: definitely, definitely. I think I did. So, uh, you know, um, like I said, I had a good practice today. And I'll uh, we'll see what it take me tomorrow. I asked Ron the other day if there was
2: anything he wishes he had done differently in this process for you. Is there anything you wish had gone differently in this process? Nah.
4: I'm uh, good with everything, you know. Um I wish it was a faster process in general, but it is what it is. Um but nah. Did the conversation with
2: Dr. Andrews the other day, did that help give you some more confidence or was there anything from that that you had kind of uh took
4: him in? Yeah, it went great. Um, you know, Dr. Andrew, that's my guy, so uh, you know, came and checked me out. Went great. Um you know, he just uh, keep sticking to the plan.
2: Was that, was that planned or was that something that after not playing the last couple of weeks that you I was, came back and... That was planned. Mm-hmm.
3: Would you have wanted um, people to know the full extent of your injury? Just to know that this is something that takes a while to recover from.
1: How about that at the end? Chase Young on whether he would want people to know the full extent Of what happened to his right knee, quote, eventually, end quote. A uh, rather cryptic response. Uh, Well, speaking of injury, uh, it was in 2018 that the Redskins were 6 3 and then had their season ruined in no small part uh, thanks to their top two quarterbacks suffering broken right legs. Alex Smith in a loss to the Houston Texans at FedEx Field on November 18, 2018, famously suffered his uh, life-altering fractured right fibula and tibia. And then Colt McCoy, in a loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football on December third, 2018, suffered a fractured right fibula. Now, the 2018 Redskins were a house of cards that very likely might have come tumbling down, even if Alex Smith had never gotten injured, but Alex and Colt McCoy suffering season-ending injuries certainly helped to wreck the Skins' 2018 season. And so with that in mind, how about what has happened with the Commander's opponent for this Saturday afternoon, the 49ers? Uh, The guy who was supposed to be their starting quarterback this season, Trey Lance, is done for the season due to a broken ankle that he suffered in week two. His replacement, Jimmy Garoppolo, is out with a foot injury that he suffered in week 13. And so the Niners at quarterback have been going with this guy, Brock Purdy. Uh, The Niners took Brock Purdy with the final pick in the 2022 NFL draft. He is Mr. Irrelevant for the 2022 draft. And yet, Mr. Irrelevant has been Mr. Excellent. Uh, He, over the Niners' last three games, has six touchdown passes versus one interception and a completion percentage of 69.05. Commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio did a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. This was Jack on Brock Purdy.
3: He fits right in. Um, Their offense remains largely the same. And uh, he's doing a great job executing and doing his job, distributing, and, um, and they've done a nice job. It, se- it seems very um, seamless. You know, he's he's uh, been, obviously he's well prepared, and um, when his opportunity came up, he's played well for him.
1: Yes, he has. How about this quarterback matchup for Commanders Niners? Taylor Heineke versus Brock Purdy. Taylor Heineke, an undrafted player who was out of the NFL when Washington initially signed him in December 2020. And remember, signed him not to the active roster, but to the practice squad. And Brock Purdy, the Mr. Irrelevant of the 2022 draft. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on the Brock Purdy story.
3: It's a great story. I mean, it really is. The guy um, came in, unfazed, big matchup against the Dolphins, and just played lights out, you know, and um, hasn't looked back, you know. So it's, it's a great story. I've got family out in the Bay Area, and, um, you know, they were all talking about it. Uh, it's a great story for the young man and his family. Um, another guy for us to get ready for and go compete against.
1: Yeah, you know, a big key for Saturday is going to be if the commanders pressure Purdy and hit Purdy and rattle Purdy and make things not so Purdy for Purdy. Uh, The commanders in their last game, the 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football had zero sacks and also zero takeaways. Uh, Looking at the Football Outsiders DVOA rankings for this 2022 regular season, the Commanders are number 10 in the NFL in total defense, number 15 in the NFL in pass defense, and number four in the NFL defense in run defense. Uh, Meantime, the 49ers are number 9 in the NFL in total offense, number 4 in the NFL in passing offense, and number 18 in the NFL in rushing offense. That rushing offense ranking surprised me, but It's not like the Niners aren't running the ball effectively. Uh, The Niners for this 2022 regular season also are number nine in the NFL in rushing yards per game at 133.4 and are number 14 in the NFL in yards per carry at 4.51. The 49ers head coach is Kyle Shanahan. He was the Redskins offensive coordinator from 2010 through 2013 with his dad with his pops mike shanahan as the team's executive vice president slash head coach uh the skins over those four seasons ran the ball very well with a variety of running backs uh ryan terrain roy hallou jr evan royster alfred morris remember those guys uh jack del rio on wednesday afternoon on facing a kyle shanahan rushing offense
3: uh they do a great job running the ball um you know he creates he creates opportunities for his backs, regardless of who they are, and that's been a that's, that's in the family. Um, you know I've gone against Mike for a number of years, and Mike did the same thing. Um, so uh, Kyle, uh, very much the same. You know no matter who the back is now, when you have special backs like Christian McCaffrey, uh, and, and obviously Debo's banged up right now, but when you have special talent back there, it makes it even tougher.
1: All right. So the Niners are without arguably their number one offensive weapon in receiver Debo Samuel due to ankle and knee injuries. But you heard Jack Del Rio mention running back Christian McCaffrey. The 49ers acquired him via trade with the Carolina Panthers this past October 21st. McCaffrey, over eight games with the Niners, has been great. 880 yards from scrimmage, uh, seven combined rushing and receiving touchdowns. And he has a touchdown pass, Uh, It was in the 2019 regular season, uh, what was commander's head coach, Rod Rivera's final season as Panthers head coach, that McCaffrey with the Panthers had a 1,000-yard rushing season and a 1,000-yard receiving season. He totaled an insane 2,392 yards from scrimmage and 19 combined rushing and receiving touchdowns. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on Christian McCaffrey.
3: He's he can do it all. I mean, he's just a really gifted player. He can throw it. He can catch it. He can run it. Um, you can toss him the ball. You can run routes with him. He can run every route on the tree. He he, he can play receiver. Uh, he happens to be a running back, and so yeah, he's he's a special talent.
1: And how about this? Jack Del Rio's son, Commanders' assistant quarterbacks coach and offensive quality control coach Luke Del Rio, uh, played high school football with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, They played together at Valor Christian High School in Colorado. You know, Luke Del Rio was a notable college quarterback. He actually played for three teams, Alabama, Oregon State, and Florida. Uh, He was a backup at Bama and a backup at Oregon State, but he played a good bit for Florida. In the 2016 season. Another 49ers offensive weapon to be thinking about is tight end George Kittle. Now, the commanders this season actually have done a good job against opposing tight ends, but as you likely know, Kittle. Is quite good. Uh, Football Outsiders has this metric called DYAR, stands for defense adjusted yards above replacement. It's kind of like wins above replacement war in baseball. George Kittle for this 2022 regular season is number four among all qualified tight ends in the NFL in DYAR. By the way, dead last among 42 qualified tight ends in DYAR. Is the commander's Logan Thomas, but Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on George Kittle.
3: Really good player. He's a explosive. Um, you know, he, he's a good blocker. Um, he, he's, he really can do it all. Uh, I think what he does best when he gets the ball in his hands, he really lights up. I mean, you, you've got to come tackle him. So uh, good football player. Uh, a lot of respect for him.
1: You heard Jack Del Rio used the word explosive in describing George Kittle. Uh, the 49ers this season have been good at generating explosive plays. Uh, the Niners for the 2022 regular season are number nine in the NFL in most explosive plays at 94. There are a few ways of defining explosive plays. In this instance, an explosive passing play is one that goes for at least 20 yards, and an explosive running play is one that goes for at least 10 yards. But the commander's defense has been good lately at preventing explosive plays. Remember when explosive plays? Remember when explosives, as Ron Rivera calls them, uh, were a problem for the commander's defense? Uh, Not so much lately. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on why his commander's defense has been good at limiting opposing teams' explosive plays as this season has gone on.
3: Um, you know, it's, it's kind of boring, you know. You're talking about, you know, limiting explosive plays. You, you have to tackle well. You have to leverage the ball well. You have to communicate well. You know, be in position, do your job. You know, a lot of different factors. But um, typically, you know, explosives come from somebody in the back end. You, know, they, you can make a mistake in the front and it might pop through, but it should get capped before it becomes an explosive play. And um, it's, it's largely the secondary is doing a good job of leveraging, tackling, and, uh, and being in the right spots.
1: You figure that the commanders, in order to make the playoffs, need to win at least two of the team's final three regular season games. There's no doubt that this game at the 49ers on Saturday afternoon, on paper, is the least winnable remaining regular season game for the commanders. But of course, that doesn't mean that the commanders can't win this game. And winning this game almost certainly would require yet another good game from a commander's defense that overall has been very good this season. All right, some baseball for you. The Orioles, late night on Wednesday night, announced a trade. Uh, They've acquired catcher James McCann and cash considerations from the New York Mets in exchange for a player to be named later. Uh, The O's announced this trade uh, shortly after 11 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night. Uh, James McCann is entering his age 33 season. He, over the last two seasons, uh, was terrible for the Mets as a hitter. He, over the 2021 and 2022 regular seasons, had an OPS plus of just 70. Uh, 100 is league average, but McCann is good defensively. He, over the last four regular seasons, has totaled 2.2 defensive wins above replacement for baseball reference, and his role with the O's clearly uh, will be to back up the Orioles' franchise catcher, Adley Rutschman. Uh, And the cost for McCann is basically nothing, a player to be named later. Uh, Also, the cash considerations in the deal reportedly are the Mets paying $19 million of the $24 million remaining on McCann's contract over the next two seasons. Uh, The Mets, in December 2020, signed McCann as a free agent to a four-year 40.6% million dollar contract. Uh money is no problem for the Mets these days. Uh, we are certainly seeing that with their insane spending spree this offseason. Uh the O's so far this offseason have have not been spending much money. Now, as I have said, that's not necessarily a bad thing because so many of these big money free agent contracts in baseball do not work out. What I do wonder, though, is this, does O's executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias want to be spending more money, but just isn't being allowed by his bosses, the owners, the Angelos family, to be spending more money? But yeah, getting James McCann on the cheap, a quality defensive catcher to back up Adley Rutschman for next to nothing, no problem with that. A tough game for Virginia Tech basketball on Wednesday night. The number 21 Hokies fell to 11-2 overall and 1-1 and in the ACC with a 70-65 overtime loss at Boston College. Uh, Tech did overcome a nine-point deficit with a little more than four minutes left in regulation, but of course it was that Tech was down by that much to begin with that was part of the disappointment. Uh, pretty this game was not. Uh, the Hokies went just 5 of 20 on threes. Boston College went just 3 of 19 on threes. Uh, Hokies point guard Sean Padula just 1 of 5 on threes, including missing a contested right wing 3 in the closing seconds of regulation. The ball bounced off the rim multiple times, so we nearly had a dramatic finish for Tech. Uh, Padula in 44 minutes as a starter, 1 of 5 on threes, 6 of 11 on twos, and 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 18 points and 5 assists. Versus versus four turnovers. Uh, Justin Mutz, 41 minutes as a starter. Oh one on threes, 9-16 on twos. He finished with 18 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and two steals, but also five turnovers. A big problem for Tech were turnovers. Uh, Tech committed a season-worst 15 turnovers uh, to BC's 9. The Hokies are a pretty good team. Uh, They were not at their best on Wednesday night, especially uh, in facing a Boston College team that really hasn't been very good so far this season. Next up for Virginia Tech at Wake Forest, but not until Saturday, December 31st at noon. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me the podcast at Yahoo.com. Friday show, episode four hundred and seventy, will feature in-depth preview of the seven, six, and one commanders at the Ten and Four and NFC West Champion San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon, Christmas Eve afternoon at four oh five. I'll have a guest, Kyle Madsen. He is the host of the Kindlestick Chronicles Podcast, which is a 49ers podcast. He's the host of the Niners post game show on 95 7 The Game in San Francisco. And he is the managing editor of USA Today's Niners Wire. He knows the Niners well. He'll give us. Plenty of intel on the Niners. Uh, I will have for you my rhyming keys for a Commander's win, and I'll have a prediction for the game. Uh, also on Thursday's show, I'll talk Capitals. The Caps are at the Ottawa Senators Thursday night at 7. I'll talk Wizards, so the Wizard at the Utah Jazz Thursday night at 9. Oh, by the way, Rui Hachimura is expected to be back. Uh, the Wizards on Wednesday night announced that Rui will be available for this game. He has missed the Wizards' last 16 games due to a right ankle bone bruise. And on Friday's show, we'll talk Maryland basketball. Uh, the Terrapins are home to St. Peter's Thursday evening at 6.30. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday.
2: Yeah, he was, he was doing really well. I mean, you know, 12 carries. You look at it, and you, you, know, you say, man, we, we really should have given him the ball more than that.